the largest population of Muslims in the world. The Middle East, right? Right. Well, maybe not. Oh, what does the color of your car that you drive say about you? This is Season 7 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And we and our staff scoured the internet this week for totally useless information just for you. Plus, we will answer your question in our mailbag section. And in the news, Pet Goldfish commits credit card fraud on an owner using a Nintendo Switch. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. your totally useless GPS. It's time for geography. So get lost with Nick and Roy. I don't know what that lady looks like, but when she does that intro, I could just see her in one of those safari hats, maybe camouflaged so she's riding in the desert. I think it's sick, Nick, that you envision women (laughs) dressed in certain ways. I, I don't know sometimes what you're thinking when you hear women's voices. And I don't want to know. You know what? <laughs> Need, don't worry. Neither do they. <laughs> so I, I think we discussed on the show, you're afraid of heights. You're not a fan of heights. Is that correct? I'm not a fan. No. In fact, the last time we were in Canada, we were in a really cool room at the Marriott. Right. And it, but it was really high up and it had all windows. Gorgeous room. It was amazing. And, and of course, free of charge because we're so popular in Canada. <laughs> oh yeah, they just threw the room at you. Absolutely, We're yeah. Big celebrities. Yeah. Oh, they... so, so but I'm looking out at the beautiful CN Tower, and it was Christmas time, and it was cold, and it was the CN Tower was lit up. But I looked down, and there was just windows all over, and it's scary. Heights to me are scary. Like I get that pit in my stomach. Well, uh, speaking of the CN Tower, that's coming up in uh, just a couple of facts here in geography. I asked you for this reason because they have these glass bridges around the world. And when I talk about glass bridges, I'm not just talking about, you know, just a couple of hundred feet off the You're ground. You're talking in the CN Tower, right? No, no, no. That's the glass oh. floor, which I'll talk about. I'm yeah, talking yeah. about this, this place in Jasper, Canada, which is in the western part. It's Columbia Icefield Skywalk, perched 918 feet above the Sunwapta oh, no. Valley in the Canadian Rockies. No, see, that ain't happening. I'm not walking across that. It's a lesson in... <laughs> It's a lesson in ecology, geology, glaciology, evolutionary history, as explained by the self-guided yeah, audio it'll tour. it'll be a lesson in defecation if I got to walk across <laughs> that. <laughs> While heavy snow might pile up on the cliff edge walkway in that's the winter. That's not all that's going to pile up on that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> this glass bridge has four layers of glass that can withstand the weight of a Boeing 737 airplane. Yeah, I don't trust that. I don't care what they say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there you go. You know what I, I what I when I first was reading about these facts, I was a colleague of mine at the radio station that I work at here in Toronto. And I said, you know, they were talking about these glass bridges, which is what inspired these facts. And I said, you know what they should have? As you're walking across, they should have these speakers and the sound effects of glass cracking. Yeah. That would be hysterical. And well, then... I don't know. I, I I walked. We went on an MSC cruise. Yeah, which really beautiful ship, guys. I'm, I get nothing for it, but that was a beautiful cruise. The ships are Italian and they're amazing. But they had twelve stories or thirteen stories up, 
a glass bridge that went around the back of the ship. And I'll be honest, I walked around it, but it was, to me, it's, a, I'm, I'm just don't like heights. Well, don't yep. go to Jasper, Canada. Uh, okay, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Canada has a few people, right? I mean, for, for the size, it has very few people. Yeah. But what is the least populated country per square mile? All right. And I would have thought it was Canada because you guys have a large country with very few people. I think, what do you have? 30 million or 40, 35, 40 million people? So more than 37 million plus. I, I, I lost count after 35 million, 600,000. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you should start it over again. And I'll, we'll give you some time. Mongolia, okay. 600,000 square miles. Four people per square mile. It's only 2.5 million people living in Mongolia. It's 600,000 square miles. Crazy. That's insane. Where the heck is Timbuktu? You know what people say? I went all the way to Timbuktu. So I wanted mm -hmm. to find out where is Timbuktu? Well, it's in this it's a city in Western Africa. In the Nick, Yes. Timbuktu is a city in Western Africa. Oh, because I asked you where is Timbuktu? Oh, hold on. Wait, 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 let me do it correctly. Yes. What what is Western Africa? Okay. <laughs> I, I I didn't realize we're on Jeopardy. <laughs> Usually we're in Jeopardy, but not on Jeopardy. So it's, exactly. <laughs> Timbuktu is a city in Western Africa of Mali, historically important as a trading post on the Trans-Saharan caravan route, historically important as the center of Islamic culture from the 14 to 1600s. It's located on the southern edge of the Sahara, eight miles or 13 kilometers north of the Niger River, the city was designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1988. Mm. So that is where Timbuktu is. Cool. There you go. See, now that's a good one. People are learning today. Learning a lot of this stuff. Yeah. The largest lake in the world. You'd think maybe again, Lake Superior, right? You would think, given its name, yes. It is. It's super, super big. It's super deep, by the way. But did you know that the second largest lake in the world is in a place you'd never think, Africa. Oh. Yes, it's called Lake Victoria. In honor of Queen Victoria, it was found in 18, it was founded right. in 1858 by John, he's got three names, John Hanning Speck. Mm -hmm. So he had to be important because he has three names. Always. Right. And it is, it's, it's a massive second largest lake in the world, Lake Victoria in Africa. I wonder how far that is from Timbuktu in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> you just make a left in the Sahara and just keep going. <laughs> right. Just make a left at the sand dune. Make a right at yeah. the other. Yeah. There you go. At the mirage. Yeah. Make, a, make right. a left at the sand dune. Make a right at the camel. And you're on your way. That's right. <laughs> but don't pass the mirage. Then you've, you've missed it. Oh, yes. Have you ever seen bike racks all over any city? Right. You've seen lots of bike racks everywhere, right? Yes, not that I use them, but I've seen them. Okay. <laughs> now you're thinking that kind of cluttered, it clutters up the streets and everything. What if they came up with a different idea where you can sort of um, have a, a bike garage that doesn't look so cluttered? How about, what do you think? Is that a good idea? I'd say I think people shouldn't ride bikes at all, but go ahead. Oh, boy, okay, sure. <laughs> How about this? How about storing those bicycles in an underwater bike garage? 
underwater. It's a massive underwater bicycle garage like the one that opened in Amsterdam's Central Station. The structure has space for 6,300 personal bikes and 700 more for bike shares to facilitate the first or last mile of rail journeys. The capacity will expand to 11,000 bicycles with a second garage. This is a country, Amsterdam, that has more bicycles than citizens. Wow. 35 it also has more prostitutes than any other country. In the That's world. right. And they're riding more than <laughs> and they're riding more than bikes. Yeah. 35% of as, of Amsterdamers, those damn Amsterdamers, using their bicycles. Did you call them Amsterdamers? <laughs> Amsterdamers. They come from Amsterdam, using their bicycles daily, which increases to 50% of Utrecht's residents. So imagine this is a country that has more bicycles than citizens, so they have to put these yeah. bikes in an underground, underwater garage. You know what cracks me up, too, about Amsterdam? I used to have a friend that would go there. He'd save up all year long. He was yeah, a yeah. single guy. Yeah. He would go to Amsterdam, and he would take advantage of all the legal prostitution. They have the red light district, which literally they have red lights on That's when right. they're available. Yes. And they stand in windows in scantily dressed clothes and like like so that you look at them like a model, and then you go in. <laughs> it's crazy. But also this country that has all these bikes and all these healthy people, they're also the largest country with drugs because drugs are available. They're free. They're, they're not free. They're illegal. Ah. Everything. Heroin, cocaine, um, opium. It's all legal there. So it's just a, it's a it's a freewheeling country. You know, Nick, it is. Well, literally with the bicycles. Absolutely. <laughs> Brought to you by the Amsterdamers Tourist Association. Brought to you by Trojan condoms. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Come again? <laughs> That's right. Brought it by Trojan condoms. Come again. Yeah. Yeah. Come. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> exactly. Hey, that's where rubber Ooh. that's where rubber hits the road. That's right. All right. Yeah. That's what girls used to call me in high school, the rubber tree. <laughs> the, word, the word capital, right? We just take it for granted. Right. Like it the... has two meanings. All right. Okay. Originally, it has two meanings. Mm -hmm. Number one, it's the city that serves as the seat of government, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. the capital. That's correct. But it also means the building where the legislature meets. Oh. So where when legislature meets in a building, it's called the capital. In the United <clears throat> States. It is the word capital. If you look it up, it has two meanings. So I don't know if it's just the United States. Well, you know, up here in Canada, we have the Parliament buildings because we have a different, uh, you know, different sort of government. But uh, but doesn't capital also have another meaning, meaning of financial nature? A uh, money, I would money? think. Yes, you exactly. have capital. That's right. So this damn word capital means a lot of things. It gets around just like you did in high school. So we were talking. Yeah, capital, capital is what you need when you go to Amsterdam <laughs> for the festivities. There you go. And with a capital A. With a capital, with a capital R for red light. Exactly. So we <laughs> talked about, uh, we teased you about Toronto CN Tower. So yes, I do uh, live in Toronto, Canada. Roy's in Fort Myers. So we do have the CN Tower, which serves as a communication tower. And also it has a restaurant up top, a revolving restaurant. The 360 mm -hmm. restaurant, look at how clever they were. They call it the 360 restaurant because it goes around... In 360 one, three, degrees. Exactly. Now you see the Canadians that they're, they're really 
<laughs> They're real sharp. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> could you could so this is the three... I got a red truck. What do you think we should name it? Red truck. Yeah. <laughs> so you go and you make a reservation at the three sixty restaurant and ask for a table in the corner. <laughs> so part of this fact here comes courtesy of my boss you know my, my direct supervisor at the radio station he said here's some total users information for you and i'm thinking i better get this right otherwise well it's been nice Wait a minute. You. what was that i heard in the background was that a a kissing sound no 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 this is no <laughs> this is not kissing but this is saving my butt okay because just before i made i found this information i updated my resume just in case yep, okay yep. the 360 restaurant revolves around the city takes 72 minutes to make one complete revolution oh basically so you better you better order slowly otherwise by the time you finish you still haven't seen the whole city exactly the anchors to uh, to build this uh, the structure was built to last 300 years. That was his question. He was asking me, how long does the concrete last? It's 300 years. 300 years. So basically, those poor suckers that are up there like 299 years from now, they're in for a real treat. Yeah, and <laughs> and for a real a real ride. Yeah, it was a rocky ride. But you better. <laughs> I have news for your boss. Yes, uh, I, I have some information that's very pertinent to him. He better keep walking at the same speed because if he stops short, Nick's head's going to give him a colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, this is not. I'm not saying this is for him. He asked me to look this up because he's interested in the show. I think this is a good thing. The building was right. was uh, completed in 1976. It would take winds of over 1,600 kilometers an hour to topple the 553 meter tower. It's amazing. I've been in it. It yeah. is amazing. And it does it have is a, truly cool. It does have a glass floor. Oh, and it takes exactly one minute for the elevator to go up from the ground floor up to the top of the observation deck. And it does have a glass floor. And uh, Roy, you said that you didn't get a chance to make it to the top of the tower, not because of your fear of it heights. It was the weather. It, it was, was the, the weather. weather. It, it was, was a foggy fog. day. Yeah. Yeah. And we wanted to, I wasn't going to do it, but you can actually hang off the building. They attach a wire to you. And they put you in like a jumpsuit and they let you hang off the side of the building, which, you know, I, I think that was called the I'm a stupid idiot ride. No, it's called the <laughs> it's called the sky, the edge walk. Sorry, it's called the edge walk. The edge walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So, um, you know what? Come to think of it, uh, my boss said to me, why don't you, we're having a meeting today. It's up at the edge walk. Hmm. <laughs> no need for a cable, Nick. Just uh, look over the edge. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> My goodness. So um, if you want to know, if you do want to know more information, you go to uh, cntower.ca. And in order for you to, uh, let me just, uh, give me a sec. I'm going to look up to find out how much it costs. Okay. Uh, oh, it was expensive to do all that. Yeah, hold on. It uh, was expensive. But if you're in Toronto, you, you, you have to go see the CN Tower because it's like it, it's one of the attractions, you know. Your, your stadium was, is cool. It was so state-of-the-art years ago. Not so much now, but still, it's, it, your city's laid out nice, too. It, it, it's, uh, Toronto's a nicely laid-out city. It's like a small Manhattan yeah, with, people, so with people that are constantly apologizing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> some people refer to the city of Toronto as like New York run by the Swiss. By the way, uh, to, uh, to uh, have the Edgewalk experience, it costs anywhere between 
$199 and $225 Canadian. Yeah, it's crazy. And that and includes... Speaking of Swiss, yes? that's what the glass floor looked like when I was looking over the <laughs> little right. Swiss chocolate. <laughs> Swiss miss. There you go. You got one more? All right. Yeah, I do. I have my teaser. I can't let people, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting there, Nick, saying, what is the large, what country has the largest Muslim population? And of course, I just assumed the Middle East. Right? I did Muslims. too. I said, East, well, right? that's not a tease to me. I'm like, wh why would you give such a simple question that has a simple answer? Why would you do that? I'm thinking, okay, of course, it's the Middle East, isn't it? Indonesia. Really? 216 million people, of which 188 million are Muslim. It is the largest Muslim population. 87% of Indonesian people are Muslim. Amazing. And see, you don't think about that. No, you it's don't. It's like when people say OPEC, the oil, the oil guys, yes. they think of guys in turbans. But the reality of it is that South America, you know, Brazil and Venezuela are, are larger players than them. It's crazy. OPEC, if you remember this from school, it's uh, oil producing, exporting countries. Yes. See, you, you didn't have much other things to do, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm that slick. Hey, speaking of slick, you go to our website, nickandroy.com. Lots to do there. Uh, keep you busy for a little while. Uh, you click on um, episodes. You could find out and listen to a full library of all of our episodes in all of the seven seasons, plus 100 and plus 60 episodes. You can go to birthday slash anniversaries, and you can order a very special anniversary or birthday message for your loved one. Yeah, that, that's that's a big deal because you're getting a, it's like a mini totally useless information show for that person that you care about on their birthday or your anniversaries. And we do the, the it is so great. People are flipping out over this. It's super inexpensive. Go to nickandroy.com. You can actually hear a uh, sample of it. It's so cool. It's so much fun. And for a limited time, you and the person that you send it to get a free 12 months, a whole year of our newsletter, which, you know, it is, the newsletter is real cool. The February newsletter, we just, we, we were going over it and it is, it's so much inside information to me and Nick, and you'll understand why we're friends. You'll actually understand things that we went through in the eighties and nineties and so on. Plus there's all kinds of stuff in there. Like I was a chef and I talk about food and it's, it's just, it's, it's a fun newsletter. That's totally different than the show. Nickandroy.com is where you go. And just a quick, um, some quick feedback from a recent birthday message that we had done for somebody. And uh, his wife said, Oh, he loved it. He played it for his family and friends It made him laugh and smile the whole time. And it's such a unique gift to be able to give someone, she says. Thank you, Nick and Roy. And by the way, she says, P.S., he finally understands why I listen to you guys every week. <laughs> so there you go. It's so, just such a cool gift. It really is. My wife bought me a gift. She took me up to the CN Tower. She said, ready, <laughs> set, jump. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. Science, science, science. We are so excited to have a very special guest here today 
because not only is he going to help you today, so I know we're totally useless information, but today we're actually going to be helpful because listen up and actually sit up because it's all about your posture today as we bring in a very special guest, Dr. Matt. Dr. Matt, welcome to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Now, now I brought Dr. Matt. Yeah. Because, doc, because I want people to know a little bit more about chiropractic work uh, because Dr. Matt has helped me. I, I guess people uh, on the show, if you listen to the show, you'll know that I've been laid up through some of the shows. But, but um, and, and thanks to um, uh, legal marijuana, the shows have sounded much more interesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but Dr. Matt, I met Dr. Matt because I had gone to some doctors and the first thing they do is right away they prescribe, you know, pain medication right. and the opioids and things like that. And then I met Dr. Matt and, and he takes a totally different approach and he has helped me considerably. And so I said, I need to get this guy on the show because people need to know that there are alternatives to doing things that hurt them rather than help them. So that's one of the reasons why Dr. Matt's on the show. <laughs> now, uh, he is uh, has his practice in, uh, in Naples, Florida. So if you happen to be a snowbird or you're listening to us while you're visiting Florida, you happen to be in the Naples area, you want to check him out. Now, this is not an infomercial, you know, Matt did not uh, pay to come on the show, nor are we paying him. I don't know if we told him that yet. But uh, this is really a, a way for us to give you useful information uh, because, we, like Roy said, it's really important. But if you're in the Naples area, uh, it's Dr. Matthew Davis. But we call him Dr. Matt because we're cool. And so is he. He's really cool. So tell us, Dr. Matt, um, how long you've been in practice? So I've been in practice 23 years. I practiced a lot and went to school in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and now I've been down in Naples about five or six years. So, so my, I have a question for him. Yeah. <laughs> Why, after all these years, are you just practicing? You couldn't get it right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call it, Roy. That's what they call it. <laughs> in preparing for this segment, I had to find out why we call a doctor's practice a practice because that's what I'm thinking. And so um, as in a quick aside here, and those of you who don't know the, the television show, The Honeymooners, look it up on YouTube. It's a, it's a funny show from the 1950s with Jackie Gleason. And there was an episode where Norton plays a doctor from Oxford and they ask him, are you practicing? He goes, no, I don't need to practice. I already know it. <laughs> and they go where are you from he says oxford they go in england oh is that where that is and then he blew his cover right so anyway, that, that's a, a little bit of the honeymooners but so i'm asking why do we say doctors practice well medicine is considered by doctors as a science and there's indeed a science to it but medicine is also a very practical profession it needs to be practiced to acquire skills to hone them and to maintain them do you agree dr matt yes yeah so, so you do it on a regular basis in your practice, and then after 23 years that you've done this, this is something that you're really uh, up on. Yeah, now, so so what made you want to be a chiropractor? A lot of people say, are you first generation or you second generation? Well, growing up, I, I feel like I'm second generation because growing up, my mom, her life was saved by chiropractic. So obviously before I was born, but my grandparents would tell me the story. My mom would tell me the story. She was eight or nine years old, failure to thrive. She tried everything with the medical doctors, medication. The doctor just said, hey, we don't know what's wrong with her. We don't know how to help her. She had lost so much weight. They diagnosed her failure to thrive, which is a very generic diagnosis. 
and down in Miami, uh, where she grew up and where I grew up, they my my grandfather would say, you know, we decided at the last chance or the last uh, as a last chance, take her to the quacky chiropractor, and uh, and basically the chiropractor diagnosed her with what we call vertebral subluxation or pinched nerve, and started fixing her up. She started gaining weight. Uh, he found some issues in her spine that he was able to gently correct with his hands and, and chiropractic or would be a chiropractic adjustment. And boom, she, she was a believer. They were a believer. And then my parents kind of grew two chiropractors. So my older brother's a chiropractor in the suburbs of Atlanta and I'm a chiropractor down here in Naples and we run very busy practices and it's, it's a fun thing. It's not for everybody, but for us, it's a, it's a very, it's been a very rewarding uh, in in a lot of different ways, and you just get to go and help people, and you know, it's it's a lot of fun. Well, I also love the way his office is set up, Nick. It's it's set up very open, so you come in, and um, and and the tables are all like even the decompression, the spinal decompression tables are all in one big open room, which makes it, which to me, it's great. I love it. So I think it's I think it's so so much it's it's less formal. It's more like and and so you you move a lot more clients, I would think that way, too, because but not only that, I mean, I'm amazed at the attention that you pay to each individual client that comes in, you know. Yeah, well, I knew you would love that, Roy. Because can you imagine if we put you in a room all by yourself? You would have you would have been bored. You yeah, know, again, you what's going on? Yeah, he, I know all kinds of crap. I know the guy from Starbucks. <laughs> well, and, and what's cool is like so the first visit it's a private room and then after that it's kind of set up like like a, a lounge kind of we have seating in the back room and then we have just you know multiple tables and so if people want to you know talk about or need to talk about private things we'll jump back in that other room the private room but most of the time they're like man let's just get this going and the yeah. vibe like people get the vibe right off the bat you actually probably heard somebody on their, you know, 12th visit, you know, what it usually takes time. It's kind of like going to the gym for chiropractic or spinal decompression disc therapy. You have to, it takes time. It's like you could have the best trainer and the best gym in the world, but if you don't go for what you need to, to get the momentum for the correction, both with your body uh, and also with your spine, then you don't receive the results. You usually can get results and you know, some, some sort of change in three to four or five visits. You're like, Oh wow, this is not perfect, but I'm making progress. I'm pretty happy. You're listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Our special guest today is Dr. Matt Davis, who is a chiropractor in Naples, Florida. And when you talked about uh, Roy being in a private room, he's used to being in solitary confinement. He's no stranger Um, to that. Yeah, (laughs) but I thought it was, it's very much like marriage. First you go to the private room and then boom, all help. That's it, exactly. (laughs) So uh, hopefully the people who heard that a chiropractor was coming on the show didn't turn uh, the, the show off for a reason because some people do not like chiropractors because for some reason they've had bad experiences or they've heard of bad experiences. What is it about the chiropractic profession that has such a stigma, an unfortunate stigma attached to it? You know, so it depends on who you talk to because a lot over the years, things, there's been misconceptions and misperceptions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, chiropractic at one point years ago, it's a profession that was 1895 is when it was discovered and or invented. And over the years, there was a certain point in time where it was, outlawed uh, for licensure and then it was hard to get a license there was chiropractors that were jailed back in the day 
And so I really have no problem with either side of it, whether it's medicine or chiropractic, but it's, it's two different things. It's kind of like getting your car painted. You go to a certain shop that is paint uh, or you go and you get, say you want to paint your house. That is paint also, but you wouldn't put automobile paint inside your house and vice versa. So it's kind of two different things. I call it sick care and health care. And so sick care would be medicine and surgery and procedures. And health care would be like how you eat, the vitamins you take, exercising, taking care of your spine and nervous system, going to the dentist, brushing your teeth, stuff like that. So with those misconceptions and misperceptions, people kind of grew up. And some people, their family took, like like with politics and other things, some people, their family took them to the chiropractor and that was part of it. Uh, just like they went to the dentist and they learned to eat and exercise. And some people, those misconceptions and misperceptions were there. Maybe they grew up in a family that just didn't like chiropractic. Maybe just like any profession, you can have good and bad of everything. You know what, Nick? I think it gets a it gets a, a stigma to it because it's it's literally just physical movement of your body whereas people want to take pills we're so programmed to want to take a pill for something you go to the doctor what do you get you get a medication you go from the doctor to the pharmacy that's what you do that's right. how it works yeah. but with a guy like him you go to him and he's healing your body while you're there you're not going to take anything else what you know? dr matt what is the difference between physiotherapy and chiropractic therapy Great question. So physiotherapy PT is more like stretching you. It's more like loosening muscles. And that's great for like, let's say you had a heart attack or a stroke, or you broke a bone or you uh, dislocated a shoulder, that's gonna be the best thing for you. But what I mainly do what chiropractic was developed to do, and there still are a decent amount of us chiropractors around that still do this, is find pinch nerves or vertebral subluxations in the spine and correct them. So the only thing different from what Roy said is I'm not healing you. I am finding the area of nerve interference and I'm correcting that and letting the best doctor that's built inside you work like it's supposed to, to heal itself. You know, you know what I'm kind of mad at Nick, that you have a lot of good questions. Well, what? <laughs> well, but hold on. So now up here, I didn't realize this until I checked this out. So I'm sure Dr. Matt, you've heard of Obis form. What is that called? Obus form. Have you heard of that? It's no. Like, so what it is is basically, maybe it's just a Canadian thing. Basically what it is is it's it's a seat that you kind of put in your car or maybe in your office chair, and it's contoured to your back. And it was invented by a Mr. Roberts up here in Toronto in 1980. And it, because it, when he was 50 years old, he aggravated a, He had a, a chronic back problem, re-aggravated it while playing tennis with his daughter. So the doctors put him in a body cast. So it did an excellent job of relieving his back pain. But when it came time to remove the cast, he kept the back half, which supported his spine. And he used that as the model for a portable support that could be used in any chair. So basically, I guess he used the bottom part of that cast. After numerous modifications, he decided to work in his garage and he created a version which was called Obus Form, which is a backrest that conforms to the contours of your back, eliminating stress and fatigue. They on your do back. a lot of weird stuff, Doc. In, no, no, in no. Canada. Listen, they make yeah. a lot of prosthetics, if you know what I mean. <laughs> They're not exactly exciting guys up there. So there's a lot of uh, rubber prosthetics running around. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it really, really works. But here's the thing. So Mr. Roberts um, liked to participate in extracurricular activities. And so he went around with a married woman and bought lots of properties and stuff in Florida. 
and also luxury cars and whatnot, and it caught up with him because he went to work one morning here in Toronto and um, in the 1980s, I believe, and he was shot dead. It was a hit. And the headline was, Inventor of Obis Form Suffers Shooting Back Pain. <laughs> so it was one of those tabloid type headlines. You but can't yeah. say the Canadians don't have a sick sense of humor either. Exactly. Doc, you know? <laughs> I love this one. I thought this was cool. Yeah. Why are men more likely to be colorblind? Oh. Because the gene responsible for colorblindness attaches to your X chromosome. So if you're a woman and the gene attaches itself to one X chromosome, the other X chromosome will kind of neutralize it or knock it out. But men, we only have one X chromosome. So if it attaches to ours, we're colorblind. Does that mean you see everything in black and white like an I Love Lucy episode? Yes, <laughs> which is kind of nice, Nick, because I I'd rather look at you uh, in a black and white form, to be <laughs> That's right. I'd rather look at not look at you at all but <laughs> right there you go can you tell dr matt that we're fast friends for over 40 plus years uh, 40 wow yeah i can tell I yeah can tell, I, yes i have we met in high school yeah it's crazy. we did and and uh, part of the story is and I, it's actually in our newsletter an upcoming newsletter because we have a monthly newsletter and uh we basically roy explains how we met and uh, basically it's because of roy's irresponsible uh activities that that's how we met and became good friends, believe it or not. <laughs> so, you got a science one, Nick? So uh, now speaking of chiropractic ad adjustments, because again, I wanted to be prepared for Dr. Matt. As you notice, I'm sitting up straight. You know, I'm, I have perfect yeah. posture. Very good posture, Nick. Yes. Yeah. Now, but here's an, here's an <laughs> important question, though. Is it important for you to literally sit up straight and have good posture? And will that impact you later in life if you don't have good posture? Yeah, so you want to have support because that's going to take stress off your spine or not create excess stress. But yeah, you want to support yourself when you're sitting at a desk or sitting down, but sitting's not a natural position for us. We were made to be up, standing, walking, and using our, our body. So think about it. Our culture has really changed a lot to really sedentary sitting sitting posture. So it's always good. Like there's no substitute for seeing a chiropractor and maintaining a good aligned spine and a good communicating spine. But you you also, if you go home and you or you're at work all day, a lot of people are working from computers these days and you're just crunched over looking at some or or yes. even wow. I think even yeah, even just the same or maybe worse is cell phones. So I see a lot of kids and a lot of times their spine's worse than an older person because they're on uh, they're on iPhones, they're on tablets, they're on computers, and um, they just have very horrible. So, so you see people a lot where if you look at them, their heads forward, whether you notice or not, grocery store, anywhere else, their heads is forward and when you look at them from the side. And um, so that's probably the toughest, one of the toughest things I see. So we're going to see, or I see a generation, a couple generations now, but as the generations go on, it doesn't seem to be um looking better for the spine we could invent a hat that you stick your cell phone in the front of the brim 
Yeah. And this way you can look at it directly. And you don't have to worry about slouching your head down. And yeah, it's, it, look at it. it's not cool to have your phone up like this, but no, no, but you put it and we'll then we'll invent a case that has two eyeballs on the back side of it. So that right. when you look at the person, it doesn't look weird. It looks exactly. like they're looking at you. Do you know, Dr. Matt, when you, when you were talking about how we're not really made, built to, to sit down, you have to stand up because I think what all Roy heard was we're all erect. That's all he heard out of all of <laughs> yes. that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Roy, I prefer the uh, being erect. That's right. Exactly. Um, listen to this one. I wanted to tell you guys this one, another science one. Yeah. Bed bugs. Yeah. Bed bugs are disgusting. They look like little ticks. They're disgusting animals. They all suck right. your blood. But bed bugs, they have sex in a strange way. The females do not have vaginas. What? Yes. That's strange in itself. But the males, they slam what we would consider a penis into, they stab the female. They literally stab her and penetrate her body. And then they ejaculate into the female's body and the sperm finds its way to this place like it's almost like a womb. But they literally have to stab the female Bed in bugs. order to have sex, which These is are... basically how Nick got his first date. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what they mean by don't let the bed bugs bite. Now I get it. <laughs> wow. So I, I, that is wild because, I mean, bed bugs, I mean, that. by the way, that's where the expression don't let the bed bugs bite, although they came from. Yeah, um, yeah of course. And um, so that's amazing how they have to slam, like body slam into the female. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, they they literally stab her with their somewhat type of penis. Yeah. Right. Their erect penis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things in in doing the research for uh, for having you on, uh, Doctor Matt, was so with chiropractic care, you get rid of some harmful toxins because as you're working on somebody, so some chemicals like endorphins get released. Explain to us how that happens in in the process of as you're treating someone. How is it that these endorphins are released? Well, a couple of things. So it's an alignment thing that we correct, and then it's a pinch nerve, uh, lack of communication thing. But in the process of actually applying the adjustment, it will release endorphins in your from your spine, from your nervous system, and that's why people, when a lot of times when they get adjustment, especially certain techniques, more hands-on techniques, um, you you'll get. A lot of times those endorphins and people are like, oh, my gosh, like when I give somebody their first adjustment or the first few, they're just like, yeah, they, it, they it, just it, a it, smile it. on their face. Yeah, and they're so like, good. holy cow, how come I've never had this before? It's a release. So, it's just this yeah. like release. You feel that yeah. pop and it's like, OK, it's back in place, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't see it. And you can't, but you feel it go back into place. It's so yeah. weird. It's almost like you're visually watching your spine go back into place. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, is you know it, what, Nick, too? Yeah. Let me tell you something else. Sure. He, uh, Dr. Matt's very similar to us. He married, he married up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have to shout out to Christina because she is fantastic. She runs the front of the house and she runs it like a ship, boy. She's great. She's yeah, awesome. I, I know that feeling in my household. I'm the boss because my wife said it was okay. Uh, <laughs> what I what I what I did neglect to do on our show is normally Dr. Matt, because we're totally useless information. When we have useful information, we have this that we play for our audience. So I apologize for neglecting to play that because this is truly useful information. 
What is Which we don't play that very much, Doc. We, yeah, we have to dust it <laughs> off every once in a while. We all have asthma from all the dust we're inhaling. Dr. Matt, we can't thank you enough for joining us today at Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. I'm sure you have a website which has a lot of valuable information. So if you can't get down to Naples, what is your website for people to find out some great information? So www.chiropracticofnaples.com. It's Dr. Matthew Davis. We're right up there in Google. So Matthew Davis, Naples, Florida. If you're in the Florida area, check him out. And Dr. Matt, we can't thank you enough for giving us some really valuable, not just useful information, but actually valuable information that we can share with everyone. Thank you for joining us at Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. See you, Dr. Matt. Thank you. Hey, thanks, guys. Nice talking with you. Thanks for your time. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. This is Totally Useless Vehicle Information with Nick, Meet Me, and Roy. Boy, Dr. Matt was just amazing, wasn't he? That was fantastic. Thank you for yeah, bringing him on. Yeah, from time to time, we bring on guests, folks. You know, our show is light, and we like to have a lot of fun. But from time to time, we do bring on, like, um, Leanne with the nutritional stuff, and we have a good time with her as well. But there is interesting information that's important for people to learn, you know? Perfect. So. Well, while you're sitting in your car, uh, <laughs> my, my facts today all have to do with my teaser. The, the color of your car says this about you. If you drive a white car, first of all, it makes up 35% of the market, and the color is most popular in China at 50%, Africa at 46%, Asia Pacific at 41%. But while in Europe, white scores 29%. And people who like the color white are calm, tidy, and positive. They can be conservative and tend to like order and simplicity because white symbolizes purity, innocence, and freshness. Well, I'm gonna tell you, down here in Florida, if you don't own a white or a silver car, I mean, I own a white car. And believe it or not, my wife drives a black car. She had white, too, and silver and so on. But white and silver down here in Florida, I mean, that's the color, white and silver. So hot down here that the white cars, I guess, tend to be cooler. I don't know. The first self-propelled vehicle oh. was not a car. It was a tricycle. Again, three names. Nicholas Joseph Cournot, Cournot, C-O-G-N-O-T, a French dude, yeah. <laughs> in 1769. It was steam-powered, but it was a, a actual vehicle, forward-motion, self-propelled vehicle, and that was the first one. It was a three-wheeled vehicle. Well, I still have my tricycle, and uh, the training wheels are coming off next week. <laughs> it looks like you're wearing them on your head those headphones. <laughs> oh, that's right. The color black is the second most popular color for a car with a global popularity score of 18%. There you is, go. So my wife's in the 18th percentile. It's popular in Europe at 21%. North America, Japan, and Russia are all at 20%. But really unpopular in India with only 3% of buyers own black cars. So black according to this study, is associated with prestige and power, will and determination. It can be charming and stylish, but also enigmatic and intimidating. Black would be a good color for Bond villains. Is your, is your wife a Bond villain? No, I don't think so. No. 
What, a Bond villain? Yeah, no. She's a blonde. Like James Bond? Yeah, she might be a Bond girl, but not a Bond she's villain. She's as hot as one of them Bond girls, I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. Power broke. I did marry up. <laughs> That's right, you did. Uh, power-broking executives and people who really don't like white buy black cars. There you go. She's totally different than me. She's totally opposite. She has the black car and the white car. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome. So I call her a trophy wife. She hit me with the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you know, this is why we think alike. I said, you know, isn't she your trophy wife and almost hit you with it? I mean, come on. There like we, go. Wow. Okay. These are real laws I'm about to discuss. Okay. This one takes the cake. This is still on the books in the Department of Motor Vehicles in Memphis and New Orleans. All right. Okay. It's a law that a man must walk in front of the vehicle with a red flag <laughs> if it's being driven by a woman. <laughs> They're smart down there. Women do not know how to drive, a sexist would say. <laughs> Listen, so so it, it is in the United States. Yeah, it's, it's Memphis. A, oh, Tennessee, sorry, in Memphis, Tennessee, the and male, New Orleans, and, and and the male walks in front of the car with a red flag. The male has to, if the woman is behind the wheel, a man should be walking in front of the vehicle with a red flag. Now, I don't know if women secretly put this law in so they could run their husbands over. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I think what they call what the law is called on the books, if you really look at the, uh, the fine print, it's I really trust my wife law. You know, my GPS speaks like a female and I'm constantly getting lost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and with attitude, too. Why did you make a left turn there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as we continue here on cars and totally useless information with Nick and Roy, I'm telling you the color of your car says this about you. If you drive a silver car, it stands for wealth, technology, and sophistication. So it's a bit of a surprise to find out it only manages third place in the global car color ratings at only 13%. It's especially popular in India, though coming out in first place at 30%, white is in second place at 29%. So they like silver in the countries of North, in South America and Russia. Silver does not go so well in China, which is 7% of the market have silver cars. In Russia, it's illegal to drive a dirty car. If your car is dirty, you'll be pulled over, you'll be fined. Really? In Florida... <laughs> the land of all loony things in florida is a law on the dot books that says if an elephant is standing in a parking spot you must pay for that parking spot really <laughs> yes why i have no idea i've never seen an elephant down here in florida well, in alaska well, no, hold on. wait wait a minute hold on hold oh, yeah, let me interrupt it. you so the so the elephant so it's so you have to pay for the spot the elephant takes is standing in. Is yeah, because you can't in. bring an elephant into a store. Nick. No, of that course just doesn't not. Doesn't make sense. But it's, so you have to leave him outside, and he's standing in a parking space. You have to pay for him. Of course, but it does make sense to me because when you're done shopping, where do you put your stuff in the trunk? <laughs> <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense to me. Very good. Not really funny. Okay. <laughs> okay, I got more though. I have more. All right, in Alaska, you these were saying are, these were what I consider sensible laws okay in alaska 
there is a law. You cannot tie your dog down to the roof of the car no. while you're driving. No. This is a very sensible law. <laughs> In fact, anyone that ties their dog to the roof of the car should be shot on sight. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, that's number one. Now, here's what I believe is, is I think, one of the most sensible uh, uh, laws on the books. In Alabama, the home of taking your sister to the prom, <laughs> it is illegal to drive while blindfolded. <laughs> How dare they? Really? Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So yeah. it's okay to take your sister to the prom, but it's not okay to drive while blindfolded. Okay. No, it isn't. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And that's Alabama. All right. Where they have a set of teeth amongst the population. <laughs> they all share them. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, people from... We do have listeners in Alabama. At least we did, well, until about 10 seconds ago. <laughs> the color gray, with a global color share of only 10%, okay, the color gray, it's especially popular in South Korea at 17% in that country and does quite well in Europe, North America, and Mexico, where 14 to 50% of the car market are gray. It's not all that popular in Japan, China, and the Asia Pacific region with only five to 7% share of the market. Gray is deliberately detached and emotionless. That's what they're saying. It can be seen as indecisive, compromised color for those afraid of commitment or strong statements. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, I drive yeah. a gray car. It's the color of caution. <laughs> no, you know what? It's silver. It's not gray. It's silver. Though on the upside, it can be also associated with wisdom and age. So, yeah, it is a gray car. And it doesn't show the dirt too much as well. Wow. Well, I got this is a cool one. I like this one. Headlamps. Yes. Headlamp is the name given for the device that's attached to the front of the car right. that lights the road. Okay. Those are your headlamps. But we don't call them that. We call them headlights. Right. But headlights are not the device that's in the front of your car. Those are headlamps. Headlights are the name given to the light that goes inside of the headlamp that lights up the road. Oh. So your headlamps are what really are in the front of your car. The filament that goes inside of it is called a headlight. The headlight. And if it's a really cold and day. In, and, and in Nick's case, it's just a reflection. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> On good manners. <laughs> You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. As we mentioned, you go to our website, nickandroy.com. You check out the birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, we thank everyone who's ordered birthday and anniversaries. And as we mentioned, for a limited time, we'll give you a 12-month subscription to our Totally Useless VIP newsletter that's chocks full of stuff. That's not necessarily from the show. It's a, it's a great compliment to the show. It's a supplement to the show. If you're a fan of, uh, of our show, we thank you for your support in 160 plus episodes in 66 countries. The newsletter really, really um, adds a lot of nice stuff. Our stuff. Totally different. Yeah, totally it different is. than the show, guys. It, it really is an insight into Nick and I and, and other things. It's just, it's, it's so cool. The, the, the um, newsletter is really great people are are it, it, it came out better than i think we expected it to as well well like everything else so go to our website to get in touch with us to leave an email at nickandroy.com what's in the mailbag what's in the mail so this one mm -hmm. 
I had to choose because I had to choose it because of the name number one, the person's name. Right. But also because it fits so well with what we were just talking about with the newsletter. Mm-hmm. This is Peabody from Massachusetts. His name is Peabody. So definitely he had parents that did not like him. (laughs) (laughs) Either that or they had an incontinence problem. So they called him Peabody. Peabody, yes. (laughs) Good idea. Sorry about that, Peabody. Please keep listening. That's right. But Peabody, if you had our newsletter, you'd know some of this stuff. And it says, Peabody from Massachusetts, he gets right to the point, one line. Were you guys radio DJs before this show? And the truth, I actually was on the radio. I had a talk show in New York. But Nick, Nick has been in radio, not inside the radio because he's too big to fit. Right. But (laughs) maybe those old radios from years ago. It probably was Nick inside the radio. There probably was no speaker. (laughs) I was a filament of my imagination, yes. No, but Nick has been in radio. He worked for NBC Radio. He had his own show in Bellwood, Altoona, Pennsylvania, the Mr. Nick show. So Nick had radio shows for a very, very long time. Yeah. So, But if you get the newsletter, you'll understand information like that. How did Nick get into radio? What did I do? Things like that. So you'll get a little more background into into what makes us so deranged. <laughs> yes. And thank <laughs> and you. Unhinged. <laughs> which is why you keep listening to us. And we really do appreciate that. My mailbag comes from Jackie from Williamsburg, Virginia. Dear Nick and Roy, we love listening to your show every week. You guys crack me up. We really <laughs> enjoy when you guys try to make each. Uh, what we really enjoy is when you guys try to make each other laugh and in turn makes me laugh. Okay. <laughs> Here's my question I have heard of this expression. Being blackballed. Where did that expression come from and why did we use it? Well, that's a great question. Thank you, Jackie, from Williamsburg, Virginia. To blackball someone is to exclude a candidate from joining a gentleman's club. Balls and shells were used to vote. To vote against the candidate was to use a black ball to cast the ballot. And all it did was take one black ball to deny that membership. So basically, if the candidate was going to be allowed into this gentleman's club, it had to be unanimous or white. So the one black ball and you're denied membership. More to this, the practice of using balls or shells to cast a ballot is thousands of years old. They were mentioned in the chronicles of both ancient Greece and ancient Rome. The word ballot is derived from the Italian word ballota, which means little ball. Ah. So thank you very much. Once again, you can read, you, you can send us an email. Go to our website, nickandroy.com. On the show today, we talked about science with Dr. Matt, the chiropractor. Thank you, Matt, for joining us. We had a lot of fun, and we learned some great stuff. We talked about oh, yeah. cars. We talked about geography. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. In a freak series of seemingly random events, a Nintendo Switch owner's pet accessed his eShop account and added funds using his credit card. His pet was a pet fish. The crime was caught on video during an unsupervised live stream that hundreds of viewers watched as the little fish stole their owner's identity while he was gone. The entire heist 
started as an experiment to see if fish could complete the Pokemon game unassisted. So to do it, this Japanese YouTuber set up a webcam focused on a fishbowl. Motion tracking software monitored the fish as they swam across an overlaid grid populated with the controller inputs. If a fish paused or changed direction, the correlating controller input registered in the game. So this guy thought he was really smart. Set this whole thing up so his pet fish yeah. can control the game. Ah! So the identity theft occurred while this guy was away from his YouTube live stream. They should have known something was fishy. <laughs> well, the game went swimmingly with the yeah. fish winning. The fish won several battles in this game. Ah, but this is what I get out of this whole conversation. Was the fish's name Gil? <laughs> no. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, let's see. Uh, it was... Ben. No, it was uh, no. Francesco Scale. At the 11th... No, is that his name, Francesco Scale? No, no Scale? it was Japanese. It was uh, Matikemaru is the guy, yes. the YouTuber. At the 1,144-hour mark, the game crashed, as games sometimes do. But without the owner, Mutakamaru, to fix the situation, the system continued registering inputs from the fish. Because remember, as the fish swam around, it moved the controllers. So eventually, the pesky little critters got the Nintendo eShop to come up twice and registered the, the correct sequence of inputs to add 500 yen, which is $4 US, to his account from his credit card. They also exposed his credit card information to everyone watching. Oh, my God. The oh, my God. Could you imagine, though, Nick, that the fish is playing the game? You know, I mean, and this guy has no clue that this is going on. Right, because he's away, right? He's away from the game thinking, okay, well, you know. He contacted Nintendo because after seven hours that this happened, before finally... The uh, power switch was off. So he, he contacted Nintendo explaining what happened and asked for a refund of 500 yen. Again, it's only about four bucks US. But Nintendo, they did, yeah, they did grant the request. They gave him his money back. No harm, no foul. But. I don't know why, though. I mean, it was all going so swimmingly. <laughs> That's right. But the thing <laughs> is, because his credit card information was given to all the people online watching him play, he had to cancel his credit card. So, Well, it he, just goes to show you that you can get hooked on video games. You can, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And it doesn't. And what he did was, well, he did flush the little thieves down the toilet eventually. Did he? Oh, that's what I think. That's my speculation. He killed the goldfish. Wow, he's a thief! Come on, are you kidding? By the yeah, way, we gotta you, look into this. Did you know that a uh, attention span of a goldfish is two seconds? Unless what? Uh, unless you're paying, of course, unless you're playing the Pokemon game on what Switch. What did you say? The attention span of a goldfish is two seconds. What? That's all the time we have for this edition of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We will scour the internet and other sources, and so will our staff, and the attention span of a goldfish is only two seconds. And we'll gather more Totally Useless Information just for you. And until then, you need to tell everyone about this show, because it is, we say, listen, laugh, and learn for a reason, because you truly do, and we enjoy coming out to you in 66 different 67 different countries mm -hmm. and all over the radio from coast to coast to coast in canada and we really do appreciate every single one of you that listen so thanks 
thanks for always being there for us. And and like like we said, go to nickandroy.com and look at the newsletter and that birthday information. And 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 it really does it helps us keep bringing the show to you. So we appreciate everything that you guys do for us. I'm Nick, and I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Totally useless information with Nick and Roy is a production of nickandroy.com. Visit nickandroy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>